Praise the Lord, and welcome to our 30-minute podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover various topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a team of wonderful producers who want to make each podcast something that will be enjoyable and informative. During the month of April, our producers have put together great episodes that will cover a wide range of topics on mental health awareness. Today's podcast was produced by Associate Pastor Corey Bellamy. Our editors are Sister Satoya Clanton and Sister Tynika Harris Coronado. I'll be right back with today's episode. My guest for today's podcast is Dr. Teresa Woods. Dr. Woods is a native of Wilcox County, Alabama, who currently resides in Elmore County, Alabama. In 2014, Anointed with Power Ministry was launched with two visions attached, a great cloud of witnesses and empowering leaders to excel which started as a leadership workshop and expanded into a leadership academy, where Dr. Woods is teaching discipleship courses to those who desire training. In 2018, she received her Doctor of Ministry degree. In January 2019, Dr. Woods released her first book titled, No More Silence, There Is Safety which addresses mental health in the church. Professionally, Dr. Woods is employed as a regional managed care manager at AlloHealth. She is a licensed master's social worker with 24 years experience, 18 years experience as a therapist, and nine years experience as a college professor. Dr. Woods' ministry gives our administration leadership, mentorship, and adjutancy. In her spare time, she enjoys traveling, spending time with family, and studying God's Word. Dr. Woods, welcome to the Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Thank you so much, Bishop. I'm very thankful to be here. You have an amazing resume here. Um, You have really involved yourself in helping people in the community and in our churches. And I'm certain that you're going to be able to share something with our listeners today that will be able to help as it relates to us talking about mental health awareness for our podcast this month. Dr. Woods, I want to start out by um, addressing an article that was written in uh, November 2021 in NPR by Becky Sullivan. And she wrote that suicide rates are falling in some groups, but there are double digits in some young groups. Most notably and troubling is it is among young black people between the ages of 15 and 34. What's happening in our in our black families, in our churches, in our communities that's causing this 
horrific uptick in suicide. Well, one of the things that we have to look at, um, Bishop Bellamy, is this is just not something that has started recently. Um, there has always been mental health um, issues within the church, especially among our young people, and also a growing number among African-American men. The thing is that in the African-American community, we tend to be more silent hmm. about mental health issues, and we're not as um, proactive in going out to actually get therapy or um, seek medical advice concerning medication when it comes to taking care of our mental health. Also, a lot of us still struggle with even getting attention for our physical health. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, um, if you're not proactive in getting the attention that you need for your physical health, of course, you may neglect your mental health. And I am one of those who believe that the two tie in together. Um, your physical well-being is just as important as your mental well-being. And when it comes to our younger generation, between the ages of 15 to 24, I believe that's the age group that's really on the rise right now when it comes to um, suicide. I just strongly believe that we're missing, we're just missing it. We're missing it as far as our children's feelings and really sit down and talking with them. There's just not a lot of communication going on within families these days. Uh, everybody is just so um, concerned with the things that are going on in the world per se till we miss it out on the things that are going on right there in our homes. So I think that's one of the things that we really need to pay a lot of attention to. Being a social worker for 24 years and having worked in child and protective services where, you know, I was very much involved with children who experienced abuse and neglect. You know, the majority of the cases that I worked were with the African-American children. And there was really a lack of communication in those homes. Most of the time, the parents just did not have a clue what was going on with their mm -hmm. children because they didn't take the time to sit down and talk with them and allow them to express their feelings, allow them to express their emotions, and allow them to talk about their day and what's going on with them. And this is just so very important for us during this time, especially with the pandemic and with depression already being very high and anxiety. A lot of people are experiencing a lot of anxiety concerning the pandemic. So this is even more important now that we sit down and talk with our children and understand exactly what's going on with them. Dr. Woods, I have, um, I have not heard of so many of our African-American people having suicidal ideations, uh, doing self-harm as I have in the last five years. And this seems something new or novel to me. Uh, your 25 years of experience in the field, has this been going on for that long? It has been. It's just been solid. Um, I have worked in residential treatment facilities with adolescent males as well as females. And the majority of the children who were in these facilities were African-American. And these children experienced um, cutting themselves and um, trying to harm themselves just like the other races did. Um, the Caucasian race, you know, that's we, we have these stereotypes about people mm -hmm. that are defined to race mm -hmm. until we just 
miss out on the real thing that's going on. These children are doing the same things, but it's just not talked about as much because we kind of try to keep things quiet because we have so many other things going on. And, and that's why I say, especially in the church, it has really been quiet. You know, there, there are a lot of molestation going to African American churches. Like it go on in the Caucasian churches, but we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's something that we just try to keep behind closed doors or we try to deal with on our own or we try to pray away. (laughs) You know, one of the things, that I talked about in my book. There's this young lady named Candace Gorm who wrote a book um, some years ago, I believe it was back in 2013. And she talked about what well, the title of the book was called The Exodus Project and the reason why black women are walking out on religion. But one of the things that she said that detoured her from the church and caused her and her husband and her family to leave the church was they kept telling her when she was clinically depressed, they kept telling her she wasn't praying enough, mm. that she wasn't believing enough, um, not even realizing that this woman had something physically going on with her just as much as spiritually going on with her. So we have to get out of that mindset that we do not need mental health attention, that it's something that we can just pray away Prayer is what we need. Yeah, we do need prayer, but there are counselors, there are therapists, there are people there for a reason. And if you even look at one of the things that I had to make sure that I um, pointed out specifically in my book was Proverbs 11 and 14, where no counsel is, the people fall. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we have to understand that counsel has always been in order. There were doctors within the Bible that, you know, because we even read about the woman with the issue of blood, she spent all her money going to physicians. Mm -hmm. So we do know that physicians have always been around and they are there for a reason. Some issues can be resolved spiritually, but sometimes people do need to go somewhere where they can be physically helped or they need somebody who they can sit down and talk to, talk therapy and talk it out. That's why I tell people all the time too, the Bible emphasizes how much we need each other. We need each other for support. We need each other to be able to talk to because there are some things that can't be resolved unless we are actually talking it out. And if it's something, and if we have a chemical imbalance going on, then medication may be what we need more so than just talking it out. In your book, No More Silence, There is Safety, you wrote, prayer does change things, but we must understand that mental illness is more than a spiritual issue. In your interaction with individuals, families, and ministries, is this something that spiritual leaders believe accept and recommend professional help for their, for their membership? You know, it just varies from membership to membership, Bishop Bellamy. And it also varies from denomination to denomination. I've learned that as well. I think the non-denominational churches are more accepting of it mm-hmm. than the actual Methodist churches or the Baptist church. I grew up in a traditional Baptist church okay. and in a very rural area. And 
they did not believe in it. You know, they believed that people with mental illnesses were demon possessed and yeah. um or that they just didn't have enough faith mm-hmm. to get through whatever it is that was holding them down, but not one time would they actually tell a person, there's a counselor at the mental health center, you may want to go and sit down and talk to them. I do know some people who have gone to their pastors to try to work out issues that should have been worked out in front of a therapist. And my thing is, we receive training for a reason as well, um, Bishop I'm a trained social worker. I'm a trained therapist. I have these degrees for a reason. I'm trained in that area. If that leader of that church is not trained in that area, I don't think that that's something that they should be trying to put their hands to. I had to be very vocal about that when it came to um, working with spiritual leaders in the church and getting them to um, understand this. Um, One of the things that I actually put in my book is a mental health training program because I know that that this is such an uh, issue that people need to know about. And I even have personal experience with it, um, not just myself, but family members as well who have gone through these types of things. So I know how important it is that we address it in a manner that's going to help our um, congregants get better. Um, you know, we can have a mental health advisor or a mental health associate within the church. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm so thankful that the um, congregation I'm a part of now, they are, they are advocates for mental health in the church. And um, we do make sure that if it's something that cannot be dressed inside of the church through the therapist who's there, that that person is referred out to somebody else who can probably help them. So, um, we are proactive in that manner. So, you know, to answer your question, I think that spiritual leaders, it just varies. It just varies from church to church and denomination to denomination as far as whether or not they are accepting of this. Well, you know, back in the day, and um, I, I'm going back to the 60s and the 70s, in 82, I would say, uh, I, I, I've been in the church, I'm a pew baby, been in it all my life. Back in the day, um, prayer was... Um, the remedy for everything, fasting and prayer and, and reading more word. We did mm-hmm. not, um, we didn't even know about therapists. That was something we never talked about. And as I think back, I can, I can uh, picture some people, people that come to my mind that um, they possibly did have a mental health issue we wouldn't have mm-hmm. caught. We wouldn't have called it that, um, but we never talked about people going to get mental health. Uh, Doctor Woods, do you think pastors are intimidated by mental health therapists? I would say that they are intimidated by them. I would just say that they are not educated enough on their roles. Hmm, okay. They're not educated enough on what all a mental health therapist can assist with. You know, we we also now have social workers like myself who can get in there and do the same things that a licensed therapist can do. So it kind of crossed over. You even have some nurses who can get in there now and work with people who have mental health issues. So it just depends on 
whether or not they're educated enough to know what all a mental health therapist brings to the table. So I wouldn't say that it's an intimidation factor. I would just say that I just feel like there's not enough educate. They don't know enough about mental illnesses, the different types of medications. And see, the two most common ones that are in the church that we tend to just kind of say it's going to be okay mm-hmm. is depression and anxiety. Okay. And those are the main two that if left untreated or if they are left not addressed, they can spiral into other things. How can a pastor or spiritual leader identify and when will he or she know that it is time for them to, to, to recommend a member to a professional, to a therapist, and at the point where he or she says, I've done all I can do? Well, there are always warning signs. Um, just like we talked about earlier with suicide, there are warning signs for suicide suicidal behavior, um, suicidal thoughts, because we have suicidal ideation, and then we have people who actually have um, suicidal intent, and then you have people that actually have a suicidal plan. But when it comes to depression and anxiety, when it starts to interfere with their daily lives, Mm -hmm. when that person is having difficulty even getting out of their bed, when they don't want to pray anymore, when they don't want to hear God's word anymore, when they are anxious to the point whereas it's impacting their ability to take care of their children or their ability to focus on their jobs. When these kinds of things are going on, it's time to refer them to a therapist. This is um, this is just really, um, I'm, I'm trying to search for the right word. It's mind-boggling as to what's happening within our churches. And I'm seeing this pandemic, and I knew during the pandemic that our people were going to need a lot of help, a lot of therapy. Uh, right. When and if they returned to the churches, what can spiritual leaders do and what can the professionals in your field do to help educate our spiritual leaders? We're going to have to talk about it. You know, you're just going to have to, as spiritual leaders, it is our responsibility to make sure that our congregations have the information that they need. So if it means bringing in a professional to come in and talk to them, to train somebody in the church who can specifically address these issues. And another thing I want to point out is with the pandemic, one of the things that are going on with our children is that we kind of look over to is loss. The pandemic caused Mm -hmm. a great loss for a lot of people. It did. Children lost their parents. Mm -hmm. They lost siblings. They Mm -hmm. lost teachers. Mm -hmm. They lost friends. And spiritual leaders. That's a lot for children to deal with. Yeah. You know, if the adults are struggling to deal with, imagine how the children are impacted by this. And so when, uh, when loss is not addressed, when children can't go through that grieving process successfully, that's where you get depression and anxiety and these chemical imbalances start taking place because their body is thrown off balance. They're not eating right. They're not exercising. All these things play a major role in it. So as spiritual leaders, we have to make sure that the information is there. 
that they know that there is help. That's why I said no more silence. We can't be silent about it anymore because there is safety. There is a place for them to go. Well, you know, there, that's, that's there silence. There are people out there who mm-hmm. can bring in the information. That silence is because of the stigma that's right. associated with being labeled or diagnosed as having a, a mental health issue. I, I don't think anybody wants to to have that label on them. So rather than dealing with the stigma and the label, when we know the person has the uh, a mental health issue, how do we how do we address it in a way that it does not have a stigma attached to it? Well, for one thing, the leaders can, the spiritual leaders can go to the Bible mm-hmm. and find situations where people dealt with depression, mm-hmm. where people dealt with suicidal thoughts and all these things and bring them back and minister about them. Mm-hmm. Help the people to understand that this is not something new. Let them know it's okay because at some point in everybody's life, people are going to experience depression and anxiety. Those are two things that at some point in your life, you're going to experience it. It may not be a long drawn out thing. It may, you may be depressed for two or three days, or you may experience anxiety for an hour over something that has happened. But at some point it's going to happen. And people just need to help people to understand that it's okay. It's okay because there is help out there. You are not in it alone. There are people who care about you. There are people who are willing to assist you in any manner that they can and let people know that you will walk through it with them. Is there a professional group of African-American therapists, counselors that work with ministries? Um, Not that I am aware of. I think everybody is doing their own thing. I know there's like a national association of, I, I want to say it's black Christian social workers. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they just work with ministries or not. I think it's more so that this is just a group of, you know, individuals who have professed Christ as their savior, mm-hmm. you know, that they are Christians. Okay. But I don't think that they specifically work with ministries. But I do know that if ministers or pastors or bishops, if they would look around their congregation, there's somebody there who is qualified to become a trained mental health advisor, or there may be a therapist already in the congregation. It's just knowing who labor among you, who can assist. And most of these individuals do not mind assisting at some capacity in the church. But that, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a wonderful thing to do for some social workers, some therapists to come together yeah. and just work with the ministries. That's one thing that I have devoted myself to doing. Um, I am working with ministries. I don't just work with my ministry, but any ministry that asks me to come in and talk about this, then, you know, if, if I'm available, I will go and do it. What kind so, of um, what kind it, of what it, kind of attendance or feedback do you get from people in the community coming to a seminar or symposium that deals with mental health? Are they receptive to attending those type of events? They are. And some people will be very surprised, but a lot of people just curious. Mm -hmm. And especially during this time when we're going through so much, people want to know what can I do to assist? 
So having a mental health component there has really been very beneficial and people are coming out. They are willing to receive the information. So um, that's what I found in the groups that I've been speaking to. They want to know. They're asking for other people who can possibly help. So, yes, it has it has been very um, people have been very receptive and open to receiving the information. Let's talk about the chemical imbalance. Um, yes. Who diagnoses the chemical imbalance? A psychiatrist. And then once the diagnosis is made, they're giving some type of uh, prescription? They are. Mm -hmm. Recently, I, I, I had to deal with a situation like that, and the individual said to me, I don't want to go see a psychiatrist. I don't want to mm -hmm. take medications because they thought, then I am admitting that there is something wrong with me. And if I can use the word that they used, I'm admitting that I'm crazy. Can you address that? Again, we have to help people to understand that cra the word crazy is a stereotype. Mm -hmm. It's not a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So that's one way we can approach that. We have to get people to understand also that a psychiatrist is a medical doctor just like their primary physician, just like their cardiologist, ENT, whoever they go to. That person is a medical doctor. They have gone to school. It's just that their area of expertise is in mental illnesses versus physical illnesses. So that person is there to help them. They're not going to prescribe them anything that they don't need. And then this is one thing we have to understand as well, um, Bishop, is that there are a lot of alternatives out there. We don't necessarily have to get on prescription medication to get better. A lot of things can get better with lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. we, we can sit down in front of a doctor or a nurse practitioner to help us come up with um, a lifestyle change plan. Start exercising more. Exercising reduces anxiety. It helps with depression. Use essential oils. These things help as well. There are a lot of herbs out there that people can use. Now, make sure you get vitamin vitamin B12 in your body. These things help balance out um, mental health things that may be going on. So there are alternatives as well to um, prescription medications. So it just all depends on what you are comfortable with. There is help if people want to be helped and if they'll reach out for help, is that, is that what you're saying in your book? Yeah, that's it. That's it. There is a lot of help available. Um, we just have to acknowledge the fact that we need the help and then ask for the help. I want to, um, I want to uh, recommend Dr. Teresa's book, No More Silence. There is safety. I just came across it. Um, the other day, haven't read it, um, just looked at the cover and the back and, um, of course, with um, the bio from uh, Dr. Teresa Woods and having talked with you, uh, you have certainly uh, piqued my interest even more so in your book. And I intend, I th is it available on Amazon? It is. It's available on Amazon as well as Books a Million and Barnes and Noble. Okay. Well, there's a Books a Million like 15 minutes from me. I have to check and see. Yeah, <laughs> check so. and see if uh, see if they have it in stock. If not, I'm definitely going to get this and also recommend it for our spiritual leaders. Dr. Woods, is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners in closing? I would just like to say that. 
this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I want people to really take the time to reflect on their mental well-being. Self-care is very important. Um, not only do we need to make sure that we are keeping our regular annual physical exams, but also be comfortable with talking to your primary care physician about any issues that you may be experiencing emotionally. If you know you're having those moments where you feel down, where you feel depressed, where you feel anxious, then make sure you talk to your primary care doctor about that and just see, um, sometimes you can get a medication right there at your primary care doctor and will not have to be referred out to a therapist. You know, some in some instances they can monitor that. But also make sure that you keep a close group around people mm -hmm. who can support you mm -hmm. and encourage you and build you up. You know, make sure you have that trusted individual that you can talk to about things so that you won't feel weighed down and heavily all the time. So those are just some things that I would um, leave with the listeners. May I, may I ask you one more question about suicide? Can it, sure. can it be prevented and what can be done to help a person who has suicidal ideations? Certainly, it can be prevented, um, Bishop. And as far as suicidal ideation, if a person is thinking about committing suicide, it is so very important to sit down and talk to that individual and find out why is it that they feel like they can no longer go on living. Mm -hmm. um, just find out what's going on because a lot of times it's something that can be worked out in a matter of an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, if not, if it can't be worked out in a matter of an hour, it's something that with the right support system in place, with the correct help, it can still be worked out. If they need to go to a hospital for a few days and have an evaluation done, that's uh, that's always an option. But yes, it can be prevented. It's just a matter of us paying attention, looking for the warning signs, talking to these individuals, encouraging them to get the help that they need. Thank you so much. Thank you, um, Dr. Teresa Woods. I also want to mention again, um, Dr. Woods' book, No More Silence. There is safety, and it she addresses the issue not only in family and the community, but the silence that's in our churches. And spiritual leaders, we just can't be enablers of silence. It is a problem, and we need to talk about it. We need to do more than talk about it. We need to do something about it. Now, friends, often people don't seek out help for their mental health issues because of the stigma surrounding mental health illness. When they do seek out help, they're often overwhelmed with where to find help. A good place to start will be your primary care doctor who can connect you to mental health resources and services in the community. If you do not have a health professional who is able to assist you, there is still help and hope for you your friends, your family, or students. Emergency medical services are available at 911. If the situation is potentially life-threatening, get immediate emergency assistance by calling 911, which is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 
if you or someone you know is suicidal or in emotional distress, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Trained crises workers are available to talk 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your confidential and toll-free call goes to the nearest crisis center in the Lifeline National Network. These centers provide crises counseling and mental health referrals. You can contact them at 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. Well, friends, that's all the time that we have for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. We appreciate Dr. Teresa Woods for being our guest for today's podcast, which was produced by Associate Pastor Corey Bellamy and edited by Lady Satoya Clanton and Sister Tynika Harris Coronado. Be safe, stay healthy, God bless.